Hey everyone, it's Jeff Finley here. This is the Maker Mistaker podcast. Today we've got a, a, a special guest on the line here is Todd Akamesis. He's a, he's a explorer of consciousness and an entrepreneur and he's, it is an inspiring, inspiring person. He's got, um, a deck out there that he's developing called a synchronicity deck. It's a deck of cards to aid his synchronicity walks, which are magical walks around town that like open up your intuition and, um, your ability to sort of live a magical life. And so it's, it's a pretty inspiring idea. And I definitely think that you all get a kick out of it for sure. And he's also someone that has had years and years of out of body exploration experience. Um, I first heard him on the path 11 podcast interviewed that I've, I've, you know, I first heard him on the path 11 podcast and he had a really inspirational story about his approach for out of body experiences and how you can grow and learn in the astral plane and all of that. And as a sort of a spiritual tool, as well as a personal growth tool. And so we'll get into that as well. So, but before we get Todd on the line, I'm going to give you a couple updates from me and my world and just a few, few short things. Um, I got a new shipment in of my books, my books, uh, wake up morning routine that will change your life. So I've got a couple of those in stock. If you want to, Email me, jeff at makermistaker.com. I'll send you the link to buy those. And let's see what else we got. Um, oh, I've been reading up on some of the stuff, the articles and books that are coming in my awareness this week. Some of the stuff is on attachment theory, you know, like anxious attachment styles, avoidant, avoidant attachment styles and stuff like that as I kind of get more um, interested in you know, since I've been dating this week and, you know, this month and stuff like that, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting to see my reaction to the women that I've been interested in. And so learning more about myself through the dating process is it's pretty fun. And I've got an acupuncture appointment coming up tomorrow. Um, that's going to be interesting. And uh, two books I'm reading right now, one of them is called The Truth by Neil Strauss. He's the author of The Game, you know, the secret society of pickup artists or whatever like that that he wrote several years ago. Um, this one is a, he calls it an uncomfortable book about relationships. So he's just a really interesting storyteller. And I like his approach. It's like super honest, raw, real honest uh, situation where he talks about going into sex addiction, rehab and all of this kind of stuff. And I think that's pretty interesting. And then Outrageous Openness is another book that I think uh, that Todd would appreciate. It's about letting the divine take the lead in your life and opening up to like, the universe essentially of, of how of what to do make how to make your decisions and calling in divine order and it's it's, it's pretty cool it's short and easy to read so that's it that's that's all i've got so welcome todd akamesis to the maker mistaker podcast thanks jeff it's absolutely my pleasure to be here yeah for sure i'm glad to get you on and and, and now that we finally connected it's interesting how we how we um i've recently been in contact because i've been doing the graphic design for your synchronicity deck which is absolutely stunning thank you i mean it's a, a fantastic uh, bit of artwork and you know we're, i think there's so many people that you know just been really inspired just just by the artwork so far and the idea behind the deck so yeah i want to say a, a big thank you uh, to you for that it's really inspirational yeah thanks todd it's been a pleasure to work on it I'm, i appreciate it because i've been looking for um that type of project to get, sink my teeth into, you know, something tarot inspired, something esoteric, you know, it's kind of out my alley. So yeah, I really enjoy it. So, so what is this whole idea that behind the synchronicity deck, it came from your synchronicity walks, right? So can you tell us about that? Yeah, sure. Uh, I, it was about six years ago. I was, I started a group in London, uh, call, uh, which uses a site called meetup.com, which is uh, sort of a social networking platform. 
for people who actually want to meet up in person uh, to, to, you know, sort of do events and etc. So it was my very first event. And I remember sitting late at night, it was probably about three o'clock in the morning. And uh, as I was sat at my desk thinking about the first idea, this just came as a download. And I'm sure everybody out there who listens to your podcast can understand this kind of thing. It's just one of those moments where you get this flash of insight, which you can't quite sort of just attribute to your own consciousness. It's something that seems to be a, a seed being planted uh, by another aspect of you or another another being altogether. And it just sort of downloaded and this idea of uh, letting your intuition be your guide as you sort of wander across town or a, or a city um, and without a plan, if you like. Because one thing I've learned about synchronicity over the years is it doesn't play by our human rules. You know, it's not human consciousness. So, you know, although there's that cause and effect uh, aspect, there's there's much more to it. And I love that it doesn't play into our, our feelings of lack uh, and insecurities. I mean, obviously it will because there's a trickster aspect to synchronicity, which you know, when we're taking ourselves too seriously, it'll sure, surely sort of present synchronicities based on that. Uh, mm -hmm. But anyhow, so yeah, the card deck came out of doing these walks for many years now. And, you know, the idea is that we, we don't have any great plan. We just, a group of people will meet up somewhere in town. Maybe I'll put up leaflets and flyers and alternative bookshops and cafes and just give a time, a date, a meeting point, you know, someplace to meet, location. And, and then people meet and they, you know, they come. And they ask the same question usually, what's the plan? But, you know, with synchronicity walks, there is no plan. It's just a matter of, you know, completing, completely letting go of all control uh, in order to get out of the way of what's always there. And uh, so the idea is that we use dice as one, one way of letting go of control, letting, letting the, the control, if you like, be under the influence of chance, um, serendipity, you know, luck, whatever you want to call it. So we roll dice uh, at the very beginning of the night to get our our um, our group number, if you like, which will then serve as like a breadcrumb trail. Uh, so we can, whenever we see clusters of that number, say for example, we roll the dice and get the number eight, then we we look out for number eight. If it's on a bus, then we follow the bus, or we get on the bus, and it just takes us, you know, uh, from one point to another point without controlling the process, without you know trying to uh, be restricted by a certain idea in our heads of what the outcome needs to be by doing that by letting go of the control with the dice and other you know methods for relinquishing control we we really have an opportunity to experience the magic that's always there around us it's just sometimes we get in the way of experiencing that through our expectations and our preferences yeah it's incredible i mean when i first heard you talk about your synchronicity walk i i was inspired to go do one with my friends and i bought like I bought some dice. I bought a magic eight ball. I bought this, uh, decisionator, like little tool that was like a magnet that kind of had, you know, good idea, bad idea, you know, type of thing. And you just kind of twist it and it'll like land on a certain thing. And like a bottle. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And like a bottle that you can spin at, at an intersection and wherever the bottle points to is where you go. But we, we kind of, we kind of ran out of ideas, you know, it's like we got so far and we're like, okay, so I roll a number eight. We're like looking for a number eight, but we can't find it. Or like, you know, and we started making up our own rules. We'd say like, okay, next person that we see, we're going to ask them what his, you know, ask them about, ask them a random question. So we'd come up with a question and then we would just say the next person that we contact, we're going to, or the next, we, we roll, we pick a dice with a certain color 
next person with a white shirt or blue shirt we're going to ask this question to and to ask him where to go next and follow the lead there and it, and it was so cool it, we, you know we had like a two-hour explorative walk and i mean it was really fun we all felt like kids again and i think that's a big part of it Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, and you're right with regards to, you know, the creative impulse, uh, because I think, you know, those kind of impulses are what really start, you know, uh, you know, the development of a really profound, powerful synchronicity. So I think with, with you know, uh, the eight ball and the magnetizer, those are fantastic ideas. I might pen to one of those for myself and for my walk. Yeah, um, so, you know, I've not thought about the eight ball before, but that's classic, absolutely classic. And and yes, uh, these synchronicity walks I find really allows the inner child out to play. You know, and you know that's something that you know is just I think missing that level of uh, creativity, fun, playfulness. Sometimes through being adults, we're asked to grow up in a way where we take on such a level of responsibility. I think way too early in life. And it stifles that creativity that can come from, you know, that childlike playfulness. And I find that when we're on the synchronicity walks and we get really deep down the rabbit hole uh, to where we're very present in the moments, we're not thinking about, you know, our, our, our professional lives. You know, we're, we're in such a profound state of exploration that, you know, we're, we're, we have no time for, you know, the, the, the ego stuff of, you know, trying to, Get back into the past, thinking about what happened earlier today. You know, maybe an argument with a coworker, uh, things like that that bring you down and have that energy of worry in the background. You know, because these these walks are designed to really get people um, hyper present. Uh, because when you're in that hyper present alert state, you start to notice things that you typically won't notice if you're in that typical, you know, sort of trance state that we can get into uh, through routine. And, and our everyday, you know, sort of, uh, you know, programmed lives. So this kind of thing really can bring out the inner child and help us get more present, which, which is very useful in life, you know, because I find when the more present we get, the more we get to see the underlying truth to reality, to all of reality, even the reality of our, of our relationships. And, you know, let, let's be frank here, you know, we all have relationships, whether they're with a romantic sort of partner or whether they're friends or colleagues, or our boss, uh, or or a relationship with our neighbors. You know, we we have you know these these connections to maintain and these responsibilities. And I find that if we're in a in a low state of awareness, where you know we're just in that routine, we're we're in a, a sort of state of consciousness that is being driven by unconscious thoughts and feelings. That brings about very low quality experiences and. So I find, once again, the more that we can be present in our lives and the synchronicity walks, you know, really do drive that uh, home to people that the more present they are during the walk, the more control they're willing to let go of, uh, the more they trust in their inner guidance, you know, and when they have the courage to do that, they experience that raw magic of the universe that we did use to experience as children. And that's very powerful because then again, like I said, we get to see the deeper underlying truth to everything. And you know, that, that means when, you know, our friends uh, or our, our partners or colleagues might be getting stuck in certain ways, that instead of, instead of being in such a low conscious state ourselves and then making their fears, you know, about us, we get to let it be about them and we get to be there for them and support them and see the underlying sort of, you know, truth behind their pain. And, and therefore, we don't have to constantly, you know, get in this sort of figure eight with people where 
we're just triggering each other back and forth. And I, I think that's one of the real, you know, that's the real power behind all this. Yeah, yeah. And so could you define, what do you, how do you define synchronicity? Well, I think you can look at it in a very basic way. You know, it's a time, timely convergence. Uh, you know, um, I think, you know, Young would have, would have put it in a, a sense that synchronicity is a meaningful coincidence. Um, you know, synchronicity is basically we're all interconnected by, by meaningful patterns. And, you know, these patterns are laid down by every single thought that we, we have because ultimately, you know, every thought that we have, um, pretty much is the cause of everything we do. And if you then sort of take that a little bit deeper, you know, everything that we do is then, you know, uh, everyone else that we know is at the effect of that, including ourselves. And this is another powerful idea behind the synchronicity walks that I really ask people to, to be in, to, to start with a certain, you know, way of thinking, to start with a certain feeling, these walks, you know, to have, you know, the end in mind, if you like, uh, because ultimately, We'd like to have a great experience. We'd like to be able to experience, you know, the raw, you know, magic of the universe. We'd like to experience, you know, uh, kindness and joy and compassion and and deep inspiration. So by starting with the end in mind, you know, it really leads to, uh, I think, a more conscious experience. And by being more conscious, you know, we really do get to increase the quality of these experiences because I find that, you know, with high quality experiences, our hearts are open, our minds are open. Whereas when our minds are closed and our, our hearts are closed, we're experiencing the exact opposite. You know, we're experiencing low quality states and low quality experiences. Yeah, yeah. I, so I'm going to give an example of one of these, of a, of a moment that happened on our synchronicity walk. My, the only one I've done, the, the first one. And we were just letting the dice and the eight ball and the, the decisionator lead us to where we needed to go. And we ended up walking past this dance studio. And then on the sign out front, it said, dance first, think later. I was like, oh, shit, I think we need to go in here. And and so <laughs> <laughs> and it's because they had like an open they, they were doing like it was a uh, dance instruction sort of school. And so they had people in there on the floor dancing to music. And but it was open like you can come in, you know, like so I was like, OK, I walked in there and I talked to the owners or the people at the front desk. And I said, Hey, we're doing this like crazy synchronicity, random walk, you know, and, and the dice led us here. And do you mind if we dance for five minutes on your dance floor? And they're like, Oh, okay. And they were like all interested in what we were doing, you know? And, <laughs> and so, of course my, my, my friends didn't feel like dancing. They were a little shy. So I just started dancing on the dance floor and it was <laughs> cause I mean, I like to dance. So I'm like, okay, this is, this is what we're doing. Boom. And I started dancing on the, on the dance floor and, you know, and people were watching us and looking at us and curious. And, and I, so then I asked them like where to go next. And then they pointed us to the next destination. But I mean, because of being in this state of childlike play, chance, wonder, you know, curiosity and, and doing this game, it felt like I was able to step outside of my comfort zone a lot easier and do things that I normally wouldn't have the confidence to do because I was sort of backed by this whole thing that, well, the dice told me to do it. So. I guess, you know, <laughs> it gives you this courage to do it. And, and it was like, and everyone that you meet is like a player in your game. And they're not like a stranger on the street that you don't want to talk to. So it's like everyone sort of feels lighter and it feels more fun and you have more confidence. So, hey, that's, that's a good way to do it. You know, let the dice yeah. help you. And I think it worked out Absolutely. beautifully. Absolutely. And I, and I agree with you with regards to, you know, you're, 
you know, you're literally out there with this mindset of openness. You know, you're opening yourself up to all the interconnectedness, you know, that reality is curious to show you. Uh, and, you know, by, you know, trusting, you know, and having the courage to go inside after seeing the sign for the dance, you know, lessons and, and you know, it all worked out just fine. We just, you know, we get with this collective, this cultural trance, if you like, that we then sort of um, self-police ourselves and each other. And we keep ourselves in, in some weird patterns of, uh, of closed downness where we're, we're just sort of, uh, you know, just citizens of the world that have just become, you know, very closed down with each other, you know, withdrawn. Right. And I find, once again, these walks can really teach us how to open up again and experience the variety through the connections that we can make. And like I tell people on my walks when they show up, I said, you know, London, for example, we have seven, almost eight million people that live in London. So I say to people, look, you know, right now we potentially have seven to eight million potential unsuspecting playmates. And, and I think if, if you're in a place to where you you can really trust and have the courage to trust that inner guidance, it opens up, you know, this playing field for everyone that you encounter. And I think that's the, the, the responsibility side of the synchronicity walks to once again realize that, you know, everywhere you go, you know, you find yourself. So you might as well have a starting point of, hey, you know, I'm going to I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to be open to meeting new people. I mean, I'm going to be open to being in the right place at the right time for a timely meeting with a stranger with inverted quote, you know, quotation marks. You know, this is this is everyone is connected through synchronicity. You know, we're all connected to these patterns of meaning. And, you know, we have this term, this this phrase that we use um, six degrees of separation where we're we're no more than six handshakes away from anybody on the planet. I like to see it as six degrees of manifestation. You know, anybody that, you know, we need to be connected to, uh, whether it's a resource that they have for a project that we're running, whatever it is, you know, we just have to be open enough to trust that the guidance that we're getting from inside, you know, can can lead us in a meaningful way to find you know, find, you know, the people that can work on the projects with us that are in complete harmony with where we're at. And I think that's the cool thing, too. You know, people think about, well, what if I'm not in harmony? What if I'm out of harmony? What if I'm, you know, in a state of confusion or if I'm in a state of, you know, worry and fear? And I, I don't like the idea of where that's going to connect me. You know, ultimately, you know, this is this is interesting from any of these perspectives because uh, like misery, you know, if you're in a miserable state, misery loves company, as they say. So, mm. you know, you can synchronize with people of the same wavelength, and then you can start cheering each other up. You can start waking each other up. You know, these are choices that we make. And I know, you know, it seems, it would appear that we, we don't have many choices um, when it comes to our thoughts, you know. But just like anything in life, it takes practice. You know, if you have a spiritual practice and you only have you know, practice it part time, then of course, you're only going to get part time results. But, you know, ultimately, we're not asking people to take giant steps, we're just asking people to trust enough to follow their inner advice, their inner guidance, which is always there, and just take baby steps. And with baby steps, they start, you know, building up this, you know, this, this sort of practice more and more. And before you know it, you know, you are more conscious of your thoughts. Uh, you know, it is less living unconsciously, I think at the moment for the average person, it's something like 96% uh, of our entire day 
uh, is our, our actions, our behaviors are being driven by, you know, uh, thoughts, unconscious thoughts and feelings. You know, literally 96% is being driven by unconscious thought and feelings. That's a lot. Hmm. So when, when we really start, you know, applying this more through practice, you know, through baby steps and, you know, trusting that, you know, it will take us in the direction we ultimately would like to go. It will work out, but it is having that initial courage to trust. Like you were alluding to earlier, it does take courage, but there are plenty of people to synchronize with. And even for people that think, well, I don't have any playmates to go in this stuff with. Again, you know, everybody's a potential playmate. You know, you just have to be willing to maybe take the lead here. Uh, but, you know, like you said, you know, all these creative ideas, like when you go into the dance studio and explain that you're doing the synchronicity walk, suddenly people are interested, you know, you experience that firsthand and you're just giving other people permission to open up to, to become more animated than the inanimate sort of state that this cultural trance puts us in. Yeah, that happened a lot when I was on my road trip too. Just being on my road trip was a, almost a giant synchronicity walk, you know. I drove across the country um, for 43 days and just interacting with someone and saying that like, hey, I, I'm, I'm on this cross country road trip, you know, like I've never been in this town, like where, where's the cool place to go? And like, and also trusting my inner guidance if I'm walking on the street and I see a person, if I feel a little hint of inspiration to talk to them, just like, okay, do it, you know, and, and ask them a question, you know, ask them where like a coffee shop is, just for example, an easy icebreaker or something to say. But there was a, like I, I mentioned on this podcast before that there was a, I called my tour the Starseed Tour. And so I was like, I had in the back of my mind that I wanted to find other Starseeds on this tour. And so like I would just see someone in the, in a crowd in like downtown or something like that. And I would have the inspiration to talk to them. And for, and then once I had that inspiration, then the fear would come in and the, the, the doubt. And I would say like, nah, I don't, I don't want to bother them. I, I don't want to, you know, mess up their routine or whatever. But then, it's like I hear the inner guidance come first and it's like, okay, I should, let me just trust it. And so I would talk to him, ask him where a coffee shop was. We start getting into conversation. I tell him about my tour. Then I find out we've got something in common there. They've also either done a tour like this themselves or they, they also know what star seeds are. And we start talking about numerology and, and cosmic galactic lineage and soul purpose and all this other stuff. And it's like, well, I've met this crazy person that's like, that I didn't even expect and they just happened to be in my path at this moment in time and I mean one of them I, I mean I, a lot of them I still I'm in contact with today because we exchanged contact information so it's like it's just like they're all playmates I love that idea that everyone in your life is a is a playmate for your life you know instead of a, a stranger that's that's here to scare you or don't bother them absolutely and you know once again we're interconnected with with absolutely everyone and everything mm -hmm. and you know if we're walking, wandering around town in this sort of worrying state of meeting people, you know, we're putting our energy before us. And of course, that's going to, you know, our, our inner community, you know, what people call subpersonalities, you know, or aspects, yeah. you know, all of these different parts of ourself, you know, that have been created uh, and through this fragmentation of consciousness that takes place with every experience that we have, especially, you know, really... Uh, you know, experiences of trauma, for example, you know, that are laid down in early childhood and teenage years, you know, these parts of our personality that have their own ways of thinking, their own belief systems, their own way of feeling, and their own preferences, their own assumptions, 
you know, sometimes when we get the inner guidance, you know, the, that other, those other voices come through too. Those are the voices that create the doubt, you know, those other parts of us that do worry people won't accept us or that they'll treat us in the way that they treated us when we were younger, that made us feel, you know, you know, not good enough, whatever it is. And, you know, so this inner community, you know, is, is just as important to, to, to be conscious of, of it being there as that outer sort of world, you know, in the sense that, you know, all that energy of worry to realize that, you know, where is that coming from within us? Do we have, do we just sort of, you know, on a regular basis, do we find time? Do we make time to communicate with those parts of us, you know, to have maybe an open mic night with, you know, our inner, our inner community, let them talk, let them speak instead of always trying to squash those voices or, or, or not give any sort of, um, you know, um, validity to them because you know whenever we you know just think about it from uh you know your your current state you know if if you were to be ignored by a best friend or or to feel neglected or or not you know important um significant you know how does that make you feel so it's a matter of you know sort of having that same way of uh, looking to the inner world too because if we ignore those inner parts if we marginalize them if we make them feel not good enough um you know, the ego is as wise as we are. I like to think of it this way, that, you know, every single thing that we learn, whether they're spiritual principles, uh, whatever philosophy it is, whatever we learn, the ego is learning too. And it's as clever, if not more clever than we are. Um, so, you know, ultimately, whatever we learn, it can either use, you know, in a positive way or, in, or a negative way. And, and the ego, you know, and I'm talking about from a spiritual sense, you know, it's that that false self. That false self is the master of separation. It likes to find as many ways as possible to create, you know, uh, differences between us, so that we can see that oh, there's an us and there's a me, uh, there's a me and there's a them, and and that creates a lot of pain. You know, through through that separation, instead of seeing this interconnectedness, uh, you know, this is why the the ego is constantly battling against the present moment because the present moment, you know, it knows that's the only, the only moment where, you know, it's egoless. It's a state of mind which is beyond that. So, of course, it's always drawing our attention away from the present moment, taking us to an argument uh, with a colleague from yesterday, taking us forward, wondering how that's going to affect us over the course of our career. You know, instead of being very present and, and you know, talking and communicating with these parts that feel, you know, in these ways that make it worry and have these fearful thoughts and to, to be able to remind ourselves that, you know, that we do have a responsibility for every thought that we have. We have a responsibility for every single feeling that we have because of that interconnected consciousness. You know, if we can start putting out, you know, more loving thoughts, uh, you know, and, and, you know, opening our hearts, that is going to impact people, even if they don't feel it consciously, they're going to feel it. So once again, on these synchronicity walks, you know, we do have a responsibility because every thought determines every everything we do and everything we do, you know, has, you know, everybody else on our walk is at the effect of. So why not, you know, think thoughts and, you know, that are going to lead to doing things that are going to create really, uh, you know, experiences, quality experiences that are going to bring people together, create that variety to where people can start to learn together and develop together synchronized together in ways that are very beneficial you know for for all of us and and again this is to me just the power behind the synchronicity walk idea if you can get out there in that real world if you like and apply these everyday practices that we've learned because there's a difference between 
knowing this stuff and applying this stuff on a daily basis. You know, the only way we're going to get to that level of change within ourselves is through the application side of it. And that real world environment, that's the perfect place for it. That's where the love needs to be applied. You know, sometimes you might hear people say, you know, especially in spiritual circles, I don't, I'm lost. I don't know what my, my purpose is or my path in life. You know, to me, our, our foundation purpose, our fundamental purpose is to be loving. There's so many ways to apply love in the world. We just have to, once again, as we've already communicated, to trust ourselves enough to be that. Mm. Yeah, great points, Todd. Can you, can Thanks, you tell Scott. us a story? Like, what are some crazy stories of your synchronicity walks? Like some examples. Okay. Your um, moments. Well, the, the synchronicity walks, um, you know, goes as, as it usually does in reality. The rabbit hole goes deeper than that. Um, you know, the synchronicity walks originated from me hitchhiking around the U.S. when I was a teenager. And, you know, like your recent road trip where you discovered, you know, there, there seems to be this force. And this is the only way I understood it, you know, when I was a teenager hitchhiking from Florida, you know, to California, to New York, to Alaska. I, I realized that there was some guiding force, you know, that I couldn't quite put my finger on, but I knew it was there. And I knew it seemed to... Uh, you know, be there for my benefit. It seemed to be there to look after me and take care of me and guide me and direct me and to keep me safe. So when I was a teenager, I started hitchhiking across country. I left from my family home in Tampa, Florida, and I decided I wanted to just go to California. So I started hitchhiking out to California and I didn't know much about synchronicity at that time. I, I, I had a very early spiritual awakening when I was a child, sort of having um, out-of-body experiences from the age of six. And, you mm -hmm. know, those those were pretty amazing in themselves. But it wasn't until I was a teenager on my hitchhiking trip where I started discovering, you know, this, this force that did seem to be present in my life, you know. And synchronicity, you know, I think what it shows us is it, it teaches us how to be very present in the moment and remind us that there is some underlying energy to our everyday lives, whether we can put our finger on it or not, or even like with the meaningful connections that, you know, the, the patterns that connect all of us, whether we can see the entire pattern or not, is not evidence that it's not there. It just means we need to gather more evidence to get to this place of proof. So my proving ground was the open road of hitchhiking. And I remember a couple experiences in particular, um, I used to not get on very well with um, wet shaving with a with a with a razor. So mm -hmm. I would always have an electric razor. So a couple months into my hitchhiking trip, I, I got into this routine where I learned I had to stay pretty clean. Uh, otherwise, you know, if I got into somebody's car and I smelled bad, then I, the the ride probably wouldn't last very long. They'd dump me out before you know we got to the place we had originally agreed. <laughs> right. So I decided, okay, what I need to do is. Uh, maybe um, every few days go into a laundromat. Uh, while I'm in you know, the laundromat, I can wash my clothes and I can plug my electric razor into their, their power supply and I can shave so I can keep clean and tidy and presentable. So went on like this for a few months and then my electric razor broke and I never really had a lot of money. I seemed to ha always have everything I needed and you know, sometimes the things that I wanted and desired, but I had definitely had everything that I needed. I was definitely looked after, well taken care of by this, these unseen forces. So when my electric razor broke, I decided, okay, I don't have the money for it right now because, you know, they're a couple hundred dollars at the time. This was back in the 1990s, and they were quite, quite pricey. So I thought, 
I'm, I've already discovered by being on the open road that there is something guiding me and it seems to take care of every need. So yes, this is a need because if I use, you know, if I wet shave, I'm going to cut myself all to pieces and that's not going to feel very nice. So I decided just let it be. So I stopped, stopped shaving altogether. It was about uh, maybe a week and a half, two weeks into not shaving and where I started growing a beard and I got to that stage that most men will identify with where it gets very itchy on the neck in particular. Yeah. And and so this guy picks me up uh, and we're driving along and he tells me, okay, I'm going to such and such a place, which was clear across the country. And I, I was just open to going anywhere. It didn't matter to me. And so this was going to be two days with this guy. So on the, on the last day that we were together and coming up to a junction to where I was going to go left, he was going to go right. Um, you know, he saw me itching the whole time and he finally asked, he said, why don't you just shave? And then I explained to him why I didn't shave. And he kind of chuckled a little bit in this weird fashion that made me think, okay, there's something more to this. And then he pulls, pulls the car over, uh, and I take my bags out, and he says, uh, Todd, come back here. I want to show you something in the trunk. In the trunk. And I was like suddenly on high alert. I was like, he wants to show me something in the trunk. Is this guy a, a serial <laughs> killer? You know. And all these fears came up. So when we got back near the trunk, I kind of stood a little distance away from it. And then he popped the, uh, the trunk, and I kid you not, there were five brand-new boxed razors in the back of his car, oh, and you know, electric, electric razors. And he said, look, just take one. Choose whichever one you want, just take one. And, I, and my mouth was like just wide open, hanging wide open. <laughs> and, and he said, you know, I'm a salesman, and this is just, you know, you just happen to get lucky this week that this is one of the lines that I'm carrying around with me oh, on man. this particular journey. And I was like, wow, there's nothing lucky about, you know, well, it is lucky because, you know, lucky is a quirky as a quirky type of manifestation and mm -hmm. you know and, and i was just i was deeply i was in deep gratitude to this guy and then when he when he left and i was standing there on the roadside with my gear and this brand new bach razor you know i've just had this profound gratitude to the universe to this guiding force and i find that that like a lot of people but we just need to be reminded of this that you know that is a real key behind you know this this uh, abundance in life is is giving and, and being able to receive because receiving, you know, sort of giving without being able to receive isn't really giving at all. You know, it's in a place of, you know, some weirdness within ourselves, which, you know, makes us feel that we're not good enough to receive. And I think so when we do receive, we really, really get to the point to where I mean, these days I'm like, thank you, thank you, thank you, more please. Um, you know, that's my level of gratitude. And I, and I know that the universe is abundant. I know that, you know, there's enough for all of us and mm -hmm. that, you know, whatever we need you know, a meaningful connection will be made. We just have to trust, you know, to get out of the way with, with our doubts, our fears. You know, I'm not saying when the doubts and the fears come up, just ignore them. But when they come up, do something with them. It's like in meditation, you know, people get distracted with thoughts. Maybe they're in meditation and five minutes into it, suddenly they have a thought about, you know, uh, their partner who they had a fight with. And maybe they, you know, they suddenly have this unloving thought and then they just sort of let the thought pass within meditation i mean and they get back into their place of stillness to me meditation in particular is is such an amazing way to recalibrate our nervous system you know so when that unloving thought comes up to have the conscious awareness to then you know put some sort of forgiveness towards that because ultimately you know there can't be any peace without forgiveness so we offer that forgiveness to ourselves to this person uh, sure yeah you know this person does need to change at their own level too uh, but, you know, that's not going to come through our forcing them. That's not going to come through further arguing and fighting with them. That's only going to come through love because that's the only transformational force. So, 
while they're in that state of meditation, it is an ideal point to where if one of these unloving thoughts come up, you know, do some work, some forgiveness work, clear that energy, because as you start to clear your energy field of this, it makes space for more interesting stuff. It makes space for you, for one, receiving downloads that, you know, your clear cognizance can be aware of. You, you, you know that's there and you know what to do with it. It's, it's like with the synchronicity deck, you know, for the last few days, I've been worrying about a certain sort of way that this card deck is going to work, if you like. And then suddenly I was just watching this film that took me completely out of that state of worry. And I just, during the film, suddenly thought about the synchronicity deck again. And then this download just poured in. It was already there. It was always there. The difference was I was getting in the way with all my worry. I was getting in the way with all of my fears. You know, the universe, you know, isn't, you know, that state of consciousness, it's non-human consciousness, you know, it, it doesn't, things like that don't get in its way, you know, all those gifts are always there, piling up, stacking up, it's just our fears that stop us from experiencing what is right there in front of us all the time. Yeah, wow. So how did you get from the, the, the boxed razors to synchronicity walks in London? Well, you know, it was, I was almost, I guess, three years on the road hitchhiking, and I learned so much. I yeah. learned, you know, that I, it was necessary to be present. It, I learned that it was necessary to be open of mind and heart. I learned it was necessary to be, you know, to courageously trust my inner guidance and take, you know, actions that I was being shown to take, and that when I was receiving that inner guidance, that I would equally, in most cases, have other voices come up that, you know, were these doubting voices, but those voices weren't to be ignored. So all of this stuff, you know, this, this wisdom, if you like, all this knowledge that I learned, all these insights, I wanted to be able to apply in a way to where um, I, could, I could bring people together, uh, you know, to experience the rawness of synchronicity. I didn't want to bring together people as such who were already converts, if you like. I mean, they're welcome too. Everybody's welcome. But I really wanted to bring people along who, if you like, were outright skeptics because to me there is nothing like having a direct experience to to start to change you know one of these conditioned thoughts of a lifetime uh to the point to where it's going to challenge you know those ingrained ways of thinking those ingrained ways of feeling there's nothing like a direct experience to challenge that because ultimately if i try to push my thoughts and beliefs on other people i'm not going to change you know anything you know, their change of change their thinking in any way, shape, or form that way, especially through a forceful sort of thought. The way it can be changed is, you know, through people's heart by appealing to their hearts. And, you know, these synchronicity walks really have a way of opening people up like, you know, a cosmic can opener, just getting in there and showing them what's already there, what's always been there, but has been, you know, sort of, um, you know, just, just, covered over with all these 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 collective fears because they're not just our fears anything that's in us is in the collective and anything in the collective is, collective is in us and this again is why you know getting to this place of responsibility is so important you know and and even you know if we've sort of been 99% responsible for our patterns for our our habituated thoughts and 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 fears even that 1% is enough to keep us in an old pattern so you know, it's, it's, it's almost as if this stuff, you know, is a practice of a lifetime. Again, we're not asking people to take giant steps, you know, to where they can become, you know, uh, like people say, um, you know, enlightened in one moment. It's not about that. You know, there's a part of us that is enlightened already. 
and it's this 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 um, other self, this part that is like you know the scout ship, uh, the motherships, you know, uh, outside the human system, you know, the soul, the the monad, you know, the mm-hmm. higher self, whatever you want to call it, you know, and that's the mothership, and this is the scout ship, and we're all the scout ships, and we're here, and we're getting. Our, our, our feet wet and we're, we're learning through direct experience. And I think that's the, the thing that I really love about the synchronicity walks, that you can bring the most skeptical people together. And as long as they're willing to be open, I, I say to them, look, I'm not asking you to change your beliefs. I don't, I don't need that. I'm just asking you to open your minds, open your hearts, and, and just go from there. And from there, when we start suddenly getting back-to-back synchronicities, and in most cases, during every synchronicity walk, we will get high level, in your face, back to back, back to back synchronicities. You know, it gets to the point where you just, you know, can't escape what's happening. And the doubt is just shredded right in front of your eyes. And, yeah, you know, and that's powerful. You know, you, like I said, you don't need to force anything on people. You can literally just, you know, have appeal to their hearts, you know, um, ask them to just, you know, trust to be open. They don't need to trust some mythical inner self or whatever it is. They just need to trust to be open for long enough to let something to happen. And then, you know, by having the dice, you say to them, look, we can't get this wrong. By rolling the dice, if the dice takes us down, you know, to the other street corner, and when we get to the other street corner, if we roll the dice and the dice sends us back to where we just come came from, you know, that's like the trickster aspect of synchronicity. And it's just reminding us not to take ourselves too serious. It's reminding us to laugh. It's reminding us to be playful and to have a bit of fun and to open up that little bit more. And then if we get back to the other street corner where it sent us back to and we roll the dice again and it sends us back to the other street corner again, you know, we're almost stuck in this loop. Well, hey, you know what? Sometimes that happens in life. We, we walk down roads that we know very, very well, we're very familiar with. But maybe that's that 1% I was talking about. There's still 1% we're not taking responsibility for. There's 1% you know, where there's a thought that's still keeping us stuck there or a feeling that's still keeping us stuck there and therefore leading to a behavior that keeps that manifestation, that old manifestation, that old pattern in place. So you know, that kind of thing, just reassuring people that we can't get this wrong. You know, it's not about that. You know, it's just about being open enough to, to be able to laugh at ourselves and reality in our lives when we are sort of going back and forth up these roads that we've traveled many times because it just gives us that opportunity to get very consciously aware that, hey, there's something I'm still doing. There's some way I'm still thinking. There's some feeling that's still there that's keeping me in this pattern. And then when you get that point to where you're being, that responsible for every thought, that responsible for every feeling, you know, you're, you're then everything you do is reflected in that responsibility of the thoughts and the feelings and everything changes. You know, it may not change initially, immediately on the surface level, the outer appearance level of reality, you know, the, where the five senses are always trying to evidence, oh yeah, this hasn't changed yet. You see, we're still getting, you know, this friction from this person and da, 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 da. You've got to trust that 99% of all manifestation is taking place behind the scenes and like with synchronicity synchronicity doesn't need a process it's something that happens in an instant and we when we can get really present we can start to experience realities within reality so we can see the reality of our life but we can see the reality of our deeper desires manifesting around us because we're not blinded by our beliefs yeah could you give us a, t- a story tell me a story Todd where where you had back-to-back synchronicities and it was like 
people in your audience or people on the walk were like convinced? Okay. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll start off with one, which is quite classic. I, I you know, usually speak about on all my sort of uh, synchronicity walks and talks because it does illustrate the real you know, depth of this. So on this one night, there was about 20 of us, and we rolled the dice at the very beginning to get our group number. So we have two dice, so you know, 12, 12 number um, possibilities. We rolled the dice, and we got the number four. So that's now going to serve as our breadcrumb trail. So synchronicity, we're now going to trust that it laid out number fours, you know, maybe on signs, maybe somebody sort of just uh, picks up a newspaper and they open up to page four, or that we walk past a bookshop and the bookshop um, address is number four High Street, number four Main Street, and we go inside and there's a, there's, there's a book that just leaps out of us and we look at page four and there's a profound message. It can be enough on a synchronicity walk for you know a profound message on page four in a shop that is where the address is number four High Street, number four Main Street. It can be enough. We just have to realize that there's this, again that ego part of ourselves that wants to sort of you know create this this illusion you know of this false false reality where things aren't enough. You know, these things are enough. The little things are enough. You know, the little things about us are enough. They are good enough. We just have to have that mindset of so. And, you know, the, the, uh, a loving mind, you know, a loving mindset is an egoless mindset. So it's these kind of things I ask people to keep, you know, you know in check of during the walks, do reality yeah. checks every now and again. So we got our number four. We're, we're wandering along. I think it was something like, you know, uh, 10, 15 minutes into the walk. We rolled the dice again when we got to you know, the, this, the, this one particular street in London, and it was the number four again. So it was the occurrence of number four two times in a row. We knew that's significant in itself. So we started looking around for the number four, and, and we didn't have to look far. Right above us was a bus stop uh, sign that was for the number four bus. Now, same as most, um, you know, big cities, there's going to be certain um, sort of bus routes, uh, bus routes where, uh, you know, it's one bus goes through that area, and that was number four bus. So that itself was a synchronicity. <laughs> yeah. So the moment I, I then said to people, okay, look, maybe synchronicity is asking us to get on the number four bus when it comes. And I kid you not, Jeff, the moment I said that, number four bus came around the corner. It was perfectly synchronized. And we all started laughing about that. And because the laughter, you know, the laughter opens us up even more, brings us, you know, more, you know, into the moment. Mm -hmm. So... The, the door of the bus opened up, you know, all of us piled onto the bus. And the moment we got on the bus, the last person got on the bus, it started raining. And it didn't just start raining little drops. It was pelting down with rain. So, again, perfect time, you know, perfectly timed. It was almost like a <laughs> gift to say, look, because you trusted, you know, the, the um, trickster aspect of synchronicity is now keeping you high and dry. But if you wouldn't have trusted, if you would have let doubt get in the way, if somebody would have thought, oh, I don't have enough money for the bus, you know, I need this money for my lunch tomorrow, you know, if they would have let any aspect of lack, which again, synchronicity does not play by those human rules. So, you know, if we would have had any sort of doubt and we would have stayed there and the bus went by, we would have been drenched. And, and it, at that point, it would be like a cosmic joke. You know, we feel like we're the butt end of a joke, but it's just... Again, that trickster aspect of synchronicity reminding yeah. us not to take ourselves too seriously. So anyhow, we got on the bus. We're high and dry. We roll the dice again. And we, got, we got the number nine. And so I said to everybody, let's go nine stops. Now, you can see some of the fear in some people. They were like, 
I don't know where this bus is going. It's I do know one thing. It's going completely opposite direction of where I live. You know, yeah. it's again, it's that sort of thing where you have to keep that in check because those fearful thoughts will suddenly, you know, we've had several people during synchronicity walks, you know, just suddenly disappear in a crack somewhere. It's like, you know, some portal opens up and they disappear down this other rabbit hole. And what I mean by that is they basically bailed out on us because they got too fearful. And that's fine too. You know, I do say to people at the beginning of these walks, you know, your comfort zones are going to be pushed. You know, you're going to be pushed out to the, to the you know, limits of your current comfort zones. Your buttons are going to be pushed. Yeah. But, you know, be prepared for that, but don't be limited by that. So anyhow, so we're on the bus. It's pouring with rain. We're going nine stops. We get to the ninth stop. We start to get off the bus. And, and as we get off the bus, I promise you, don't need to embellish at all. It stopped raining. And again, it was just perfectly synchronized. So already we've got like three back-to-back -back synchronicities. <laughs> and then we get off the bus and, it, and it's, a, you know, you're, you're always on these synchronicity walks looking out for signs and symbols of synchronicity. And right in front of us, it couldn't get more clear. There was this poster somebody had plastered on a wall that read, wait here for further instructions. I mean, it was, it was just, you just you couldn't get better than this. And we all... Again, we're rolling with laughter, and the people that were maybe being a little bit serious on the bus that, you know, is Todd reading too much into this? Is he taking us way outside our comfort zones for no reason? And there was their reward for trusting just to stick with this. And so I didn't said to people, okay, look, let's, let's be, um, you know, agents of synchronicity right now. Let's trust that this is part of an assignment, so we're going to stand here underneath this sign, and we're going to wait. We didn't have to wait long. This taxi driver pulls up within just less than a minute. His, um, you know, the people get out of the cab and then he's just there looking at us out of his window. And it's almost like Moses then parts the Red Sea and we sort of move, a, move aside and he sees this sign right behind us and he just sort of laughs. And, and you know, because it's just so surreal for all of us, including him, that we're now including, we're making this connection and we're making space for him. And because there's probably meaning for him too. So I walked up to him and I said, okay, look, this is what we're doing. We're doing this synchronicity walk. You know, we're doing this, da da da. We're not tourists. We're just out, you know, being playful and experiencing all the magic of, of you know, the, the, the world can offer us. I said, can you just intuitively, without thinking about it, just point us in a direction? And he did. As quick as that, he pointed us in a direction. We, we thanked him and, and we, we started to walk in the direction that he sent us. Within less than five minutes, walking in this new direction, um, we suddenly start hearing this thumping music, you know, this loud music coming from uh, this apartment block. And so I said to everybody, I said, Look, stop right here for a second. I said, you know, think about this. You know, we've just been given these further instructions. The taxi driver sent us this way. He can have sent us any number of ways, but he sent us this way. And there has been a few comments as we're walking by this apartment building about the music and how, you know, we should go in and gate crash the party and I said why don't we actually do that some of you are being oracles of synchronicity right now and you're and you're basically saying hey this is what we need to do and mm -hmm. you're just sort of putting it across as in like some playful manner but maybe that's what we should do and and then all these stunned looks on a few people's faces like you know oh we can't do that we can't you know gate crash some guy's party and the moments you know people are having these doubts this guy rushes across the street from a bar from a pub across the street and he looks at us, uh, looks at us and he says, you know, he's, he asks us, what are you guys up to? And I said to him, well, we were thinking just now, we were contemplating whether or not to gate crash this party that's going on up there. And the guy sort of starts laughing and he said, my, my mates, my friends in, in the bar, in the pub, just, just bet me that I wouldn't go and gate crash the party. 
Now think about that. <laughs> wow. If we would have if we would have gone a different direction, we would have never met the guy. If we would have been slowed down by thirty seconds or sped up by thirty seconds, we wouldn't have converged at that timely moment with that with that guy that had exactly the same thoughts. So that was the, again the trickster aspect of synchronicity coming through and saying, "Look, here it's showing you right now that you can trust that that was an inspired bit of guidance that you were being given." It would lead to a situation which would be more than okay. You know, this is a green light. So we took it as a green light. We all then, you know, sort of knocked on the door. Um, we, we buzzed our way in. Somebody else let us in from one of, the, one of the other apartments. We got up to the top floor apartment where the music was coming from. We rang the doorbell. The guy opened the door. I kid you not, he had a spliff in his hands. And he was like, you know, yeah, what's going on? And there's like, like I said, about 20 of us. And we just explained what we were doing that, you know, synchronicity led us to his doorstep, you know, maybe luck and chance and whatever else. And he had this big smile as I was talking. And as soon as I stopped talking, he said, well, come on in. And so we all went in and we, and we just sort of partied and it was fantastic. And so we, on that one occasion, we had something like six or seven back-to-back synchronicities that looked as if somebody had prearranged all of that. And that was the real powerful thing there that was going to shred any doubt because it it honestly looked as if it was pre-planned. But everybody knew that was in that walk. There was nothing at all planned about it because even little things like rolling the dice and the dice, you know, sort of um, letting go of the control and it rolling the, and it stopping when it's going to stop. There was even times in the in the in the minutes leading up before we got to the bus stop. You know, where I ask somebody, okay, um, quickly, uh, what feels right to you, left or right? And then, uh, left, you know, and we do that, things like that. You know, it literally took it out of my hands. There was no weird manipulation going on. It yeah. was just raw power, raw synchronicity. And people were being exposed to that. And it really, like I said, opened them up like a cosmic can opener. <laughs> That's so awesome. I love that story. Yeah. And I mean, this, this is, you know, people then will, they'll, they'll, at the end of the walk, they'll say, that's got to be the best walk ever. I mean, that, that must top all walks you've done. And I'm, and I'm always like, you know, look, it's not that it's better than any other walk. It's just different. It's different. It's, it's, it's unique in its own way. It's never a matter of being better. It's always just different. And, but you know, I, I did reassure them. I said, look, you know, this isn't a one-off. If you trust enough, if you had a good enough time, why don't you come back to the next walk? You know, so we get a lot of veterans for these walks, people that come back again and again, and they will be the biggest testament to the power of this, that they will experience powerful back-to-back synchronicities like that again and again and again, because we are willing to trust that guidance. You know, even if somebody says something offhand, we trust it. Um, you know, and one thing that we haven't got yet through a synchronicity walk, we haven't got arrested. So, you know, we've got a good track record, but, you know, some of the synchronicity <laughs> shenanigans that we get up to, you know, it can it can lead to any direction. It can go any way. But what I'm what I'm trying to kind of you know put across here is that the more we get into the moment, the more we let go of control, the more we're willing to let go of a need for a particular outcome, we will experience realities within realities within realities. Even if the stuff that we carry with us is still there, showing us one reality, if we're willing to see another reality within that reality, a dream within a dream. We will experience that too. It doesn't have to be limited to what we carry with us into that night, such as any fears or doubts. That stuff can can be there, and it can you know it doesn't have to be exclusive. It can be, you know, you know, inter intertwined with all the other stuff that we equally feel because there is parts of our subpersonalities that know how to handle something when parts of us don't. 
There's parts of us that know how to be confident when another part is overwhelmed. We just have to realize sometimes not to give all the intensity to the to the hurt, you know, sort of part or or the wounded part. Sometimes yeah. we have to give you know the some of the intensity to another part that can handle that situation right then in that moment. You know, and, you know, and and that's the beauty of it. Wow. Yeah, the magic of synchronicity. I mean, it's a, it's about living a magical life, you know, not just going on these walks, but like adding this element of wonder and curiosity and magic to your everyday life. So if for someone who's new to this or, you know, if they want to just kind of dip their toes in, maybe they don't want to go on a synchronicity walk and leave everything up to chance. But like, how can they add this add a little spice to their everyday life? Well, uh, the first thing I would suggest may not seem very spicy, but if they trust me on this and they trust themselves and they trust you know that guiding force it will you know create that variety you know that that they're looking for in life and I would ask them to start their day with with uh, recalibrating their nervous system so meditation uh, and you know that can be as simple as 10 15 20 minutes but looking at it from the perspective that how many people leave their house you know in a, on a morning without taking a shower not many people do that so I would you know but most people won't even think about meditating you know unless you know they're into a, a, a full-on dedicated um, practice right so I would say to them instead of just waking up showering your and cleaning your physical body but to also take a moment to cleanse your thoughts and feelings from the day before instead of carrying that stuff with you into the new day you know, you make time, you make space for it. You have to prioritize that because otherwise you are literally taking, you know, these these worrying thoughts from one day into the next and it's just compounding more and more and more and it gets to the point where it closes us down. It gets to the point where we can't even feel, you know, our own energy. You know, we can't feel, you know, where other people are at. We can't feel their love. We can't feel you know their connections because we're in such a closed down withdrawn state because of all this build up you know all this all these you know unclean thoughts and feelings about ourselves and about each other so i would say to people if they really want to give this a go that they have to they have to sort of again recalibrate their nervous system because ultimately their nervous system is their psychic antenna you know this is what you know where all the downloads come from this is where all the inspiration comes from you know that's their psychic antenna between their physical body and their their spiritual bodies whatever you want to call these different aspects of self yeah. so if you if you're working on your on your immune I'm sorry on your nervous system on a daily day basis through meditation that psychic antenna is going to work you know better and better every single day so the more that we practice this high caliber high quality meditation where you know, we're just allowing ourselves 10 or 15 minutes. And again, meditation, it's not something that I think that you can get wrong. If you're there and suddenly you're distracted by a bunch of thoughts, maybe some of those thoughts are actually there to be worked with. You know, again, if there's a thought where there's an unloving thought there, that's a thought that is related to, you know, the false self, you know, that part of us that isn't real because ultimately, you know, there's, there's love and there's fear. And, you know, in the in the world of love, you know, that's a real world. In the world of fear, that's an illusion. Anything that's not of love is an absolute illusion. So it's a matter of working with that thought, forgiving ourselves, you know, for, you know, even if we don't understand the deeper reasons behind thinking in some of the ways that we think, you know, the, the real deep patterns within us, the patterns of thought, you know, at a, at a fundamental level, you know, our, our identity level, even if we don't understand it, 
you know, it doesn't mean we can't work with it. It just means that when those thoughts, unloving thoughts come up, it is linked to something. So just being willing and say to the universe, look, I may not understand this, but I am willing to show up for this. I am willing to show up for this on a daily basis now. And if they can do that, if they can embrace those thoughts that come up, love them like little children and wrap their arms around them and say, look, I'm sorry. You know, I know this, you know, thing about, you know, the, you know, the dog, or I know this thing about, you know, that bill, or I know this thing about my relationship. I know it scares me. I know it scares me, you know, big time. Yeah. But I am willing to show up for this and I'm willing to, to see, you know, the behavior that keeps leading to this. I'm willing to see the thoughts that, you know, the thought patterns that keep, you know, bringing this and keeping it here. I'm willing to see this stuff. You know, this it can be as simple as this, just literally showing up more and more. And I promise you, suddenly, when they start clearing their energy field, when they start, you know, refining, you know, this, this psychic antenna and they start, you know, just clearing out all that, that old energy, it creates you know, space for something more. It creates space for new downloads. It creates space for what we really want. So as we're clearing that space, maybe at the end of the meditation, we, we say something like, you know, universe, what I'd like, you know, I'd like for maybe um, the part of me that is ready to write a book right now, you know, a part of me that is really ready to go on a backpacking trip to Australia, that part of me that's ready right now to, you know, to, to look for a new job, you know, I'd like more of that part to get downloaded in me right now. And if you're working on clearing that, that energy, you're making space for that download and you're making space for more of who and what you really are, which is, you know, a being of love, a being of interconnection, you know, and a being of interconnection that, you know, while you're then out in, you know, that real world or, or the, or the sort of the, uh, the outer appearance level of reality, again, realizing that there's two realities there, there's two parallel you know, realities. One is the real world of love, where we have loving thoughts, where our, our, our minds are open, where our hearts are open. And when we have a negative thought that we're willing to sort of, you know, show up and, and, and work with that um, versus the, the false world, you know, of ego, which is always trying to create separation, always trying to, you know, create painful moments, always using all the good spiritual knowledge that we're learning and it hides behind it and it gets to use it in very unloving ways. It might do things like, oh, you know, I'll use meanness and I'll, and I'll masquerade, you know, meanness as, as honesty, you know, and it'll do stuff like that. It'll pretend it's being, you know, spiritual by being honest when actually it's just taking a moment to be mean, um, you know, and using that, that as a disguise. Mm -hmm. So by showing up more and more and realizing this stuff and, and just taking these baby steps, suddenly when we're out and about, when we're walking from point A to point B and we're being more present, you know, and that's that's a real key here. We have to, you know, maybe take reality checks every now and again and, and remind ourselves, am I awake right now? Am I being really present right now? What's my level? What's my state of consciousness right now? Am I actually, you know, here in my body or am I so much in my head that I'm not seeing the obvious stuff that's around me right now that's always been right in front of my nose? It's it's kind of like, um, you know, sometimes when we're blinded by our beliefs, so I call it belief system blindness, we, we, we won't see what's, which is right there in front of us. Um, it's kind of like a negative hallucination, and a good example of that is um, Captain uh, Cook. You know, uh, you know, one of the European explorers with the sailing tall sailing ships that went to the Pacific, and you know, during one of his um, log with one of his logs, uh, it's it's uh, sort of suggested that when they came to some of the South Sea Pacific islands, and some of the islanders, the the indigenous people that lived on those islands. You know, at first they didn't see these tall sailing ships, you know, you know, sort of anchored out to sea. What they first saw was the small rowing boats 
And it freaked them out because they're like, hey, where did those come from? But they mm -hmm. could see the small rowing boats because they had canoes, you know, of, of around the same size. So it's within their belief system structure. But because they, they didn't have the idea or they weren't open to, to something more, they were closed to what else was there. And it's curious that it suggested that the shaman of these tribes were always the first person to see the big sailing ship because, you know, that, to be very frank, that's the shaman's job is to be open to the mystical, to be open to the supernatural, to be open, you know, to, to, to more. And this is, this is part of the process, if you like. You know, mm -hmm. again, synchronicity doesn't need a process. It happens in an instant. The universe doesn't need a process. It happens in an instant. You know, it happens at the speed of light, you know, the speed of thought, whatever we're willing to work to. And the universe is always to, to work at whatever level we're comfortable to, but it's always willing to work at another level too. We just have to be willing to show up at another level. We have to be willing to say, yes, there's a part of me that isn't ready to show up at this moment, but there's a difference between can't and won't. You know, if you're feeling like you can't do it, then you just need to sort of take the baby steps. If you if you feel like you, you, you don't want to do it, that's in a different thing altogether. You know, that's that's maybe, you know, bias that's getting in the way, that's your skepticism that's getting in the way. And you got to ask yourself, you know, is this closed mind going to get me anywhere? You know, do I want to get somewhere different? You know, am I tired of where I'm at? Am I tired of, you know, seemingly living from paycheck to paycheck? Am I tired of, you know, arguing with my spouse all the time? You know, is, is it painful enough at that moment to where you know that, you know, the, you know, the, the price of doing nothing is more of the same or worse? You know, we have to really start showing up and asking ourselves, you know, what is the price of doing nothing? What's the cost of doing nothing? Right. Yeah. I, I, I like to think that our higher self is guiding us through through this every step of the way. Like and we'll often feel inspired to maybe look into meditation or someone who's listening to this podcast, you know, like think about how the synchronicity brought you to this episode, like these little breadcrumb trails. That's I like to look at it that way. Like you can ask or sort of put an intention out there of what you want to experience. And, you know, and it went during your meditation or something like that. And then, and then be open. It's all about being open, like you're talking about. And then, then being aware enough to notice it when it's, kind of being unfolded in front of you or little breadcrumbs are dropping in front of you. So I was like asking like, okay, what is it that I need to experience right now to kind of fulfill my highest purpose, you know? And then like I'll log into Facebook and and I can tell like my automatic processes and habitual ways of being will sort of take over and I'll forget and I'll like lose my consciousness. I won't be mindful anymore. But then it occurred to me like the first thing that I saw was a friend of mine commented on my status and said, get your butt down to Austin. And and then it occurred to me, whoa, okay, breadcrumb. Like, this was the first thing that I saw loaded up on Facebook right after I asked for guidance, you know? And it's like, okay, so here's another another nudge in the direction that I should move to Austin, you know? And I saw so follow that rabbit trail, follow the breadcrumbs, okay? So I'll inquire about where I'm going to move to Austin and then see what the next thing is. And then she'll be like, oh, I've got a friend that knows about this apartment and, you know, I've got, you know, I found that, you know, so here's someone you need to talk to. And it's like, okay, follow, follow, follow. See where it goes. Be open, you know. And I, I love yeah. that idea. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that thinking. I, and I'm, I completely agree with you. I think, you know, it's, again, realizing that, yes, you know, that, that deeper part, whatever you want to call it, soul, higher self, monad, inner self, whatever it is, whatever label you're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's always there. It's always present. And I think, you know, 
if we can realize that, you know, that's one of the things that really helps me in my everyday life, especially, you know, if I'm getting, you know, down on myself is to realize I am not exclusively of this world. I mean, that, that helps more than anything else. Right. Totally. So Todd, um, there's so much more to you than just these synchronicity walks. Um, <laughs> there's so much more that you've got going on. Like you briefly touched about when you're six years old, you had your first out of body experience and that you had a spiritual awakening. I mean, is this something you want to talk about? Well, I'm, I'm always happy to, you know, to go deeper if you like. And, and, you know, that's certainly another direction, okay. uh, you know, yeah. So, yeah. How do you do you feel like you've covered everything you want to cover in the synchronicity walks before we shift gears on talking about OBEs? Oh, we could be here for weeks. So we're probably best to take that CU now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that sounds good. And I'm, I may end up splitting this into two at two podcast episodes just so it's um, subject matter is pretty, you know, cohesive. So yeah. so that might yeah. be a good idea. So, yeah, let's so let's go ahead and talk about your first out of body experience when you were six and how that led to a spiritual.